if you want to be able to move forward quickly, whether it's drugs or whether it's not, it's, it's, it's the fact that you need to have a pretty big pattern interrupt in your life. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. Hey, welcome back to The Truth About Marketing. This is the show where we go deep with the people who are in the trenches actually doing this stuff, actually seeing results, trial, error, and they are generous enough to share the nitty-gritty details of all that's working and all that's not with me and with you. So we're glad you could join us today. My guest, Scott Oldford. You can get to know Scott better if you don't already at scottoldford.com, like an old Ford, scottoldford.com. And I've been hearing about Scott for a while from some people that I really know, like, and trust, like Danny Eaney and my man Ross O'Loughlin, who have both been through his live SSF method training. We'll tell you more about what that is. But Scott, first of all, welcome and thanks for being here, man. Thanks, brother. Anyone ever say that you got a great voice for radio? Because because you know I, I'm I, I could I could listen to you for like multiple of hours. Uh, but uh, but listen, I know it's it's great to be here. It's funny, uh, Danny actually mentioned your name last year about midway through last year and uh and then i remember searching you up and i don't remember what happened and of course we got reconnected and you know as life happens sometimes here we are talking again and you know actually being able to get to know each other today so i'm looking forward to it thanks man yeah it's funny how this is such a small world but somehow you can go years only hearing of somebody you know so very cool well i I want to say i'm really fascinated by your childhood story I mean, I like to ask people on the show when you've started to have sort of entrepreneurial leanings. You've talked about this quite a bit. You said that you were an entrepreneur since the age of seven. You tell a story about your dad bringing home hens and you immediately seeing an opportunity to sell eggs, which is a pretty good indicator. But I want to pull back the camera even a little bit more. You know, by 16, you've got 40 full-time programmers around the world helping you build a membership site around golfing. But at the same time, you said by the age of 14, you're like 360 pounds. And so it seems like you were sort of living a childhood of of extreme measures. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's really funny because when I was in it, it wasn't extreme because no one told me the difference. Okay. Uh, Which goes back to the norms in society that we as entrepreneurs or or really we as all individuals uh, living on planet Earth is of comparison, right? We compare ourselves to everybody. And, you know, for me, I didn't realize I was really – quote unquote, an entrepreneur until I was 16. And, uh, and, and, you know, I'll say I, I, I ended up kind of getting discovered, quote unquote, meaning, you know, some entrepreneur was like, holy crap, there's a 16 year old doing this, this, and this. I'm just like looking at him being like, you know, I, I just kind of go home after school and have fun. Mm. So to me, it wasn't any different. And, and I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs or really kind of entrepreneurial inclined. Uh, and so, you know, what ended up happening is I just kind of did things that were fun and I, I was very much at the right place at the right time. 
I don't believe that I was any smarter than anybody else. I, I think perhaps I was more focused than uh, a lot of people, and I had uh, you know a work ethic that is unlike um, the normal, I'll say, society work ethic. Mm-hmm. But overall, to me, it was normal until it wasn't. And and then of course it was you know me then comparing myself to everybody else, which was ended up starting my downfall which really ended up, you know, by the time I was 21, going the opposite direction, losing everything I had and being this egotistical maniac that thought I was better than everybody else. Wow, that's fascinating. Right. And so, yeah, so, I mean, it was like, it was like, you know, uh, up until the time I was like 19, 18, you know, I was 360 pounds. Uh, so, so think about it, the perfect storm. I lost, I went from a hundred or sorry, 360 pounds to 170 pounds. Uh, I had more money than I knew what to do with when I was at the age. Everybody looked up to me, uh, including, you know, the ordinary business community outside of people that were my own age. And, 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 you know, I, I felt more significant and adored and liked and all the things that me being 19 years old wanted. And that, of course, goes to your head uh, at some point if you don't have people around it or you haven't dealt with it and, and, and it happened really fast. So I'm 170 pounds. I'm feeling the sexiest I've ever felt. I, I, you know, have multiple companies uh, doing multiple different things. I, I'm, I'm all these things are going in the right momentum, the right way. And and of course, you know, it just kind of started going through my head. And uh, and, and, and then, you know, it was kind of the downfall of both my character and me financially and me emotionally and spiritually. And, you know, every everything, everything, everything you could possibly think of that could go wrong went wrong because me as a person went wrong. And so that's really that that's really what ended up happening. And and so I don't think I was, you know, extraordinary by any stretch of the imagination. I was just online at the right time. I knew the right people. Uh, I was at the right place at the right time. And I don't really particularly believe in luck. But when I look back at that, I can also only say there was an element of luck of why happened of what happened. Right. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, so that, that that's really uh, I guess my childhood, but I'll say, you know, I did, didn't have a normal one and I didn't really ever live my, a normal childhood. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. so, so yeah, that's up until I was 21. Fascinating. How old are you now? 25. Okay. So, I mean, you know, losing 190 pounds alone is a pretty epic feat. Like what, what, what allowed you, what was the impetus? What was the, the plan to, to turn life around so drastically after that crash? Well, you know, I, I actually I, I lost weight before the crash. So, you know, if, if we're talking about the weight loss thing, the weight loss thing was pretty simple. It came down to two things, and 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 you know, it's it's kind of funny, but it, it's the truth. You would think my mother had a heart attack at 37, so you would think that the instant thing would be okay. Well, you know, you, you lost weight because of your mother having a heart attack. Uh, not even a chance. The two things that I looked at for losing weight was number one, sexy people get further in life, mm. and number two, I wanted to get laid. Um, so, so that, you know, that, that had nothing to do with, uh, turning my life around when I was 21, you know, I was $726,000 in debt. I didn't have a pot to piss in. I was utilizing gas cards and, 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 and food card, you know, food cards that I utilize air miles, like aeroplan miles to be able to get them. And it, it, it just came to that point where it's like, you know, I'm sick of this. I know I'm better than this. And I know the reason why I'm here. And the reason why I'm here is because I wake up in the morning for too many years and too many days looking out and saying, who can serve me? Hmm. Okay. Instead of, because, you know, king and queens, 
we, we, we have our kingdoms because we serve other people. And the minute that a king or queen looks to be served, they lose their kingdom. And that's what happened, right? In, in many, many elements, that's what happened. And so really what transpired from there was that moment of like, you know what? I'm going to stop feeling this pity. I'm going to start, I'm going to stop feeling this like failure. And I'm going to go in and, and do what I'm good at. And I'm just going to forget about the fact that, you know, nobody likes me or the fact that, you know, all these different types of things that were going on in my head. And so that was, you know, that was 2013. And so between 2013 and 2014, you know, I generated $996,000 in revenue with an agency from scratch. I left an agency that bought my company so that I could avoid bankruptcy. Okay. So that happened in 2012, 2013, or sorry, 2011 to 2013. And then, so at the end of 2014, I had this marketing agency, did great work financially. It was financially okay. Problem was I just hated my life. I just woke up every morning. I hated what I was doing. I, I got the gun from out from uh, from with my head, <clears throat> but the problem was, I just I just hated it because I ran an agency, you know, for quite some time. I, I did website stuff. I did programming stuff. I did all these different types of things when I was younger, so on and so forth. And I hated having clients. And so this kind of brought me to this point uh, in in 2015. And and you know, I'll, I'll I'll go into a story that I've never told before. Great. On January, and it's because I've been wanting to tell this story and I've been waiting for the right moment and I think I'm ready as an individual to talk about it. January the 25th of 2015, I dropped LSD for the very first time, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and that moment changed my entire life. That moment, I woke up the next day, I had no, I had the ego that, that was there was gone and within a week, I decided that I was gonna move. I fired my entire team and I basically put a plan in place to let go of all my clients. I had $30,000 in my bank account. I had no plan. But what I did know is that if I followed True North, I would figure something out. And, and there was this immense amount of, you know what, I'm a valuable person and I'll, I'll figure this piece out. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> that May, throughout this time, by that May of 2015, uh, I started what is today Leadcraft which is e-learning and, and, and implementation support for online marketing funnels. And, you know, since then, you know, we did 3 million in 2016 uh, and we'll be doing somewhere around eight to 9 million in 2017. And, and, and I won't say that, Hey, listen, LSD was the, the reason why my entire life changed from a perspective outside of saying that it was a huge pattern interrupt to say that, Unless I enjoyed what I was doing, unless I was at my place of superpower, unless I was leveraging my unfair advantage, which is my skills, my knowledge, my uh, my experience, my connections, all of these different types of things. And then if I could do that and then add the point of being able to serve my kingdom and being able to do it from a place of, of pure, you know, what Jesse Elder talks about. I'm not sure if you know Jesse Elder, but sure what Jesse, Jesse Elder talks about, he's a great friend of mine. And, and, and been super influential in my life in the last you know, year. And, and, and being able to really, truly show up and have nothing to prove and have nothing to hide. And because I spent so much time in my past trying to get people to like me, trying to follow significance, trying to be an authority, or trying to be an influencer, or trying to be all this bullshit, right? When I let go of all of that, and I just was like, you know what? I have information that I know people need. I'm a person that has a big why, right? I know exactly what I want to do in my life and I know the why is big and I know people love big whys. And if I can help them and I can show up and I can help transfer those 15 years of entrepreneurial experience 
to the people that because I can grow com- I've grown I've grown five companies now to a million plus. Four of them have failed. I'm not saying that I'm the person to help you to grow to 10 million or to help you to stabilize, but I know how to take companies that are at the 100,000 and grow them to a million or 2 million really damn quickly. And I'm not going to be here saying I'm the expert or the guru or whatever it may be. My job is to show up and just say, hey, listen, here's the experiences I've had. Here's the pros and cons of each. Here's what happened to each. And it, you're, you, have the, you have to make the decision what feels right for you. And, and that's what I do. And, and that has been a very rewarding experience for the last two years because there's no pressure. There's no I'm not trying to be somebody that I'm not. I just show up and I am who I am. And if I can help you, I can help you. If I don't, I don't. And of course, a lot of people don't like that because they're like, oh, well, you know, you failed in the past, whatever it may be. But I think that that's an important part of entrepreneurship is the fact that we that entrepreneurship is the process of failing forward until you increase your chances of success so highly because you know of every way that hasn't worked, Mm. uh, every way that has failed. Yeah. Amen to that. That's my ep- that is my epic rant for that quick I love question. it. I love it. <laughs> uh, I couldn't agree with more with some of the things you said. Certainly, you, I don't want any coach without a failure or two on his record, you know, or her record. That is that is essential because it's about what you do with that when it happens. And so I'm hearing this pattern in your life since childhood of don't like this, going to change it, or uh, wow, totally lost myself. Woke up very unhappy, very screwed, and okay, now what? How do we unpack this? How do we reverse engineer what we've done wrong here and make it right? I do want to just go back to that LSD fact for a second (laughs) and understand why that, you know, you start with mushrooms. I mean, not to make turn this into the, you know, drug hour, but it's, 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 it's an interesting choice to me because it's an intense thing to do. There's certainly tons of research around the benefits of hallucinogenics. What led you to, to want to take that journey? Um, I, I don't know if it was a particularly strategic move, Okay. to be completely honest with you. I, I've done psychedelics at least 120 times since then. And I believe, here, here's, here's my belief. My belief is that psychedelics allow you to evolve faster by disabling a filter that we develop as human beings as we grow older. And if you uninstall the filter and you can comprehend where you are for exactly what it is and you can deal with the true truth of who you are and what you're about and all these different types of things, your ability to evolve as a human being speeds up, in my opinion, by 10, 100, 1,000x. Hmm. And... You know, I, I listen, I mean, like at the end of the day, I like I can look where my upward spiral happened and it was the exact same time that I started utilizing psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and utilizing I'm not a huge mushroom fan. I'm much more on an LSD and and, and, and that on that spectrum. But uh, yeah, like, you know, mushrooms make me all paranoid. But LSD LSD is not so much like that. And so and so from am I, am I here to, you know, be the advocate for LSD? Not today. Will I be in the future? Perhaps. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, if you want to be able to move forward quickly, whether it's drugs or whether it's not, it's 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 the fact that you need to have a pretty big pattern interrupt in your life. And if you always look at it, people that do extraordinary things, not to say what I've done is extraordinary, but it's created momentum at least. Mm -hmm. But those that do extraordinary things, typically there has been a pattern interrupt in their life 
that has been extraordinary, whether it's death, whether it's, you know, something. Near death, and, right. And, Oftentimes, though, it's happened to them, not something they decided to Right, right. Yeah. It, honestly, for me, it was – I've always believed in – oh, actually, sorry, let me go back. I, I haven't always believed this. For the last number of years, I don't particularly have this set of beliefs or values or worldview that is concrete. And, and, and really what I've realized is that as entrepreneurs and those that shape the future of society and our planet, us having a concrete set of views that we attach ourselves to limits our ability to evolve as human beings and as homo sapiens and further than evolving as homo sapiens – uh, being able to do what we were meant to do when we came here on our, on planet Earth as individuals. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, my past self would be totally against that, right? My past self would be totally against that. I, I grew up as a, you know, Christian, very, very Christian, so on and so forth. So my worldviews would, would go against it. And, uh, and, and what I can say to that is, is there was no real event of saying, oh, my God, I, I, my life sucks. I'm going to go and, and, and take psychedelic drugs, mm-hmm. okay? It was a moment of, you know what? At the end of the day, I like experimenting with things. I like disrupting things. And the chances of this killing me are, are slim to nothing. And the chances that I might, I might come out of it are with, with some cool enlightenment is, is, is great. And at the worst case, it's a cool story. And, and and I think that that's really the way that I approach that piece, to mm. be completely honest with you. I'd say worst case is a bad trip because bad trips really suck. Yeah, they suck. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I remember – I remember, but, but what you got to remember is that a bad trip happens, in my opinion, for a reason mm. to pattern interrupt yourself against something. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had a panic attack. I only ever had two panic attacks in my life, and one of them was while I was on LSD. Mm. And, uh, and, and that was the most beneficial panic attack and bad trip of my entire life that made me not go down a road that I would have regretted for the rest of my life. Wow. And, um, and, and so, yeah, so, I mean, like at the end of the day, I, I don't want to make it the power hour, but drugs, right, right. but I will say that, you know, I, I think, I think that it does open up your ability also, and I think this is important, whether it's writing or whether it's copywriting or whether it's marketing. I mean, you know, our job as marketers is to understand our audience and be empathetic with them. Right. Okay. Because if we can be empathetic with someone, we can make someone buy anything. Right. We can be relevant to anyone. And I don't know of any better way to be able to truly understand empathy and truly feel empathy than to be able to experiment with some of these psychedelic psychedelic drugs that, that, that does this. Mm. Uh, and of course, you know, I realized too, the other cool thing is because of my path in the last two years, I have this audience that I say, Hey, listen, I do psychedelic drugs. I do, you know, here's my lifestyle. And they're like, awesome. And what I think the other side of it, it, the lesson to that, if you're listening to this is focus on the 10% of people that are, you're going to resonate with the other 90% at the end of the day, there's lots of marketers around that can listen to, you know, the the same bullshit I'm going to say. Right. I mean, like at, at the end of the day, And so I think this is really important if you're building an audience or building a business to build a community around what you believe. Because I I guarantee you all the times where I woke up and was like, wow, this sucks is when I didn't believe the same things my audience believed. And there was that conflict there of not really wanting to serve those people. Fantastic. Huge takeaways. Number one, focus on your best audience and it'll grow organically. Stop trying to please everybody. Number two, 
be honest and transparent with the things that are serving you because chances are that'll be an impetus for growing that audience. Uh, and number three, I loved what you said about an event. It's so true. If we look at you know people's the timeline of people's lives, it, there is some event. It's like the hero's journey. There's some inciting event that you know has puts the call to action in place for you, right? There a change has happened. You've accepted a mission, and now there's a, been a major disruption and an interrupt, and it's time to get going. And you know you can. What can you do to disrupt the life that you're not enjoying? Don't wait around for something happen from the exterior. Maybe it's internal and it doesn't need to be psychedelics. Could be a trip to Bali or, or who knows what. But the, whatever, it is I mean, a choice. I, I, yeah, yeah. I think I think constantly. I mean, it's why that I believe in pattern interrupting everything we do, and and, and why you know we, we always get in the routines. But it's so important to pattern interrupted constantly. You know, I, one of the things I started doing back in November is, you know, I do this mastermind every 60 days. And the whole thing is there's no continuality program. There's no marketing around it. There's no nothing around it. I just basically, whenever I find somebody that I want to be in the same room with and know them for three days and feel like I can pattern, they will pattern interrupt my beliefs and my worldview. Mm. I invite them. Uh, it's not to make money. It's not to do anything. It's three days a weekend. We rent a mansion uh, and we have some fun, right? Majority of the time, there's no agenda. There's no content. There's no bullshit, okay? Mm. And that is by far one of the biggest pattern interrupts for me because I get back to that. I get back from that and I'm just like, shit, man, like 90% of what I believed four days ago is no longer true. You know, that and, would that would seem dangerous to a lot of people, especially in business. They're like, look, you know, find your pocket and stay in it until you grow out of it and then find the next thing. It almost sounds like an extreme version of shiny object syndrome. It, it, it is assuming that you don't act upon you don't change the particular direction. Hmm. Right. Because what you got to realize is that just because you're growing your business doesn't mean you don't you just you don't have to grow your business and grow inside of your business in order for you to be able to grow personally, right? Mm. And, and a lot of people group them together. They believe that if their personal evolution isn't within their business, then their personal evolution doesn't happen. And a lot of the people that I'm in the room with, you know, yes, they're seven, eight figure business, nine figure business owners, but we don't even talk, none of this is stuff about business. Right. This is just life stuff. This is just stuff that you just don't get in the room and talk to other people about ever. And so it's not about, oh, my God, I got to change my business model tomorrow. It's about being able to realize that there is the personal development that doesn't always come back to the business because what we got to realize, and I think a lot, it took me 15 friggin' years to figure this out, but what we got to realize, the majority of us entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs because at some point in our life, we felt insignificant and we need to find significance. And so what's the easiest way to do it? It's to become an entrepreneur. It's to be a rock star in your own life. It's to do all these impossible things that everyone else says that isn't possible. Well, you did it, and now you're significant. But what what it took me it took me 15 years to realize that you don't have to have a business, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to find that significance. And I see that that's why a lot of the time people have this you know light shiny object syndrome mm -hmm. is because they don't feel significant, so they need to go and feel significant again. Great, fantastic. Right? That's great, dude. All right, so. Man, I could just keep going with the deep stuff. But let's get tactical for just a second, okay? So your specialty, taking businesses from six to seven figures. 
Yep. So let's just take a scenario. I let's just say you know I'm halfway there. I'm at I'm at 500, and revenues are good. Uh, I've got some funnels in place. I feel like I'm doing. You know, uh, of course, there's always more you could be doing, but you feel like you're doing the majority of things right. What's missing most of the time when you encounter a business in that situation? Sure. So there's really kind of six things that I see majority people, if they did these six things, their entire business would change. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and here they are, and we can go as deep as you want into these, or we can keep it high level. Totally fine. Um, First one is, and this one's obvious. We have to automate your customer lead acquisition, right? That's the number one thing. And we need to have at least multiple traffic sources because the number of businesses that just got, you know, that get screwed because Facebook banned their account or they only do partner launches or whatever it may be is ridiculous, right? So So the very first thing is automated evergreen growth for client acquisition. Second thing is you need to be able to future proof your business, which in my opinion is being able to build a community slash movement around what you're doing. Because when I, when I went, I was just, I was just talking to a, a good friend of mine. You actually might know him. I won't name drop him, but I mean, you more than likely know him. And he, you know, we were talking about the fact that the two things I realized that nobody could take away from me when I was, you know, on the verge of lose, you know, basically lost everything on the verge of bankruptcy was knowledge and my connections, which AKA is audience. And I think a lot of people are out there generating leads and doing sales and only focusing on customer generation, Mm. not audience generation. And if there's one way you wanna future-proof your business is to have an audience of diehard fans that may not all be your customers, Mm -hmm. but you're able to generate revenue from them if you need it to, right? Whether it's launching a new product or whatever it may be. If you were having a a six bad months, you'd be able to do that. So the number set, the second thing I think is, is the audience generation. Um, I think the third thing is, along with audience generation, is being able to be a big fish in a small pond. And a lot of people think that they need this huge audience to be able to be successful. Um, one of my one-on-one clients, he just did a $190,000 initial, like he's ne- he never had a list before, he's never had anything before, he's over in Europe. He did $190,000 in revenue from an email list of 1,700 people that he generated in less than two and a half months. Good. All right, so he went from zero to almost 200K and he'll have a seven figure business this year, pretty much guaranteed, okay? And the, the, the big part of it is, is of course what everyone says. You have to of course have that niche, but you also have to be able to, uh, and very, very easily and effectively, you can very, very, very easily nowadays feel like you are absolutely everywhere, be omnipresent and be relevant to this small group of people that are willing to hand over their hard-earned money for your service or your product or whatever it may be. And so it's really easy to leverage yourself to be this big, you know, fish in a small pond and to feel very, you know, kind of larger than life. And it's not about lying. It's not about lying. It's about simply being omnipresent to the people that you are relevant to. Okay, so that's number three. So we got first thing is automate lead generation. Second thing is future-proofing, kind of have a community. The third thing being the big fish in a small pond. The fourth piece is having a leverage multiplier, which is, you know, Kevin, effectively the the group program or the course or something that, that can sell concurrently even when you're sleeping. Okay. And and I'm not gonna be here preaching the passive income bullshit that a majority of uh, that I hear all the time, because there's no passive income, it's just income that you forgot that you worked for. But 
when it comes to when it comes to this, I see a lot of people doing the one-on-one stuff or the one to few. You have to have something that you can leverage one to many. Because what we have to realize is that when it comes to making money, when it comes to getting the seven figures, it's not the fact that you need to create more value, more articles, more videos, more programs. It's about the fact that your value has to be more impactful to more people. So you need to increase the significance of the distribution of your value, not specifically creating more value. So the fourth is a leverage multiplier. The fifth is being able to get to your zone of genius, which means that you need to hire people, which is only going to happen when you have automated lead generation, when you're a big fish in a small pond, when you are able to have a leveraged multiplier that's making you money every single day, when you have a community that you continually sell to so that you can hire people and get all the bullshit out of the way so you can focus on the 5%. And then the sixth thing, that I see majority of people, and I know myself that this is what I always miss, is you need to guide up the mountain. And this isn't necessarily a coach. This is typically a mentor. And there's a difference between a mentor and a coach in my perspective that I stole from uh, David Gonzalez, which is, you know, a coach is somebody that coaches you through it. A mentor guides you up the mountain because they've done it before. Yeah. And so I think if, and I think if people implemented those six things, their business would be totally different like completely different and the ability to get to seven figures is extraordinary. And of course, you know, I talk about this in the sidewalk slowing fast lane, which is, you know, the three different awareness mindsets of leads and making sure we're relevant to all three. You do that, your path to seven figures. I mean, it, it, it happens incredibly quick. Like I'm, I'm doing this as a case study right now. I just started a new business about 12 days ago. And my goal is to get it to a million in revenue in 180 days. And I'm documenting the process so people can see how I did it and how they can do it themselves. Wow. Is, where can people follow that? It is, I tell you what, I'll, I'll get you the link so you can put it in because I actually don't know off, offhand. Okay. But basically what we're doing is we're doing, uh, myself and my business partner, we're doing a 30-minute live stream every Monday at 6 p.m., which details a week, detailing our numbers you know, in, in the first two weeks, we've generated just under $100,000 in revenue and, and, and from scratch, zero investment money, zero, you know, zero anything. The only unfair advantage that is a pretty big unfair advantage, but I tell people how to get over it is the fact that, you know, I'm quote unquote an authority in, in, in my marketplace and I already have an audience, which, give, which gives me an unfair advantage. Obviously. Sure. But yeah, otherwise it'd be cold traffic and that's a different issue. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing those, dude. I, mean, I, I, I identify so hard with this whole pattern. Couldn't agree more. I've lived it. So I want to understand now. I want to switch over and talk a little bit about sidewalk, slow lane, fast lane, and where that fits into these six things, this process you just laid down. Seems like that's sort of step one, yeah? It is. Yeah, I know. 100%. Well, you know, here's the thing. The, your first 100K... You go out and you hustle, you validate, you see if you've got a real business or not, right? Because yeah. if, if you can't generate 100K in the first six months of a business, chances are you either got a really big, and, and again, no offense to anybody that's out there, okay? Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not singling you out, I'm not, you know, anything like that. I'm not saying you're a bad person or you're a failure, anything from, the, from that perspective. But I believe, you know, two things. When you're starting out, if you don't have 100,000 uh, in revenue in the first six months, chances are you don't really have a true business model that's validated. Uh, and, and number two, if you don't do a quarter million in your first 18 months, then you should probably give up and try something different and, and not give up from a perspective of, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur, but give up from a perspective of, you know what, maybe I was wrong about this, this how, what the market is like. Yeah. Now, 
once you get past 100K, how do you get past, I mean, once you get past 100K, you do your hustle and your grit, you get on the phone calls, you're, you know, working 18 hours a day, you do all that type of stuff for, for, you know, your first few months, you get to 100K. Now, Kevin, I suck as a, people tell me different, but, you know, I suck as a writer, I, I failed English, I've also had a horrible time being able to get writers inside of my business. I finally have somebody that's amazing now, but it's taken me, you know, having a multi-million dollar business to be able to do it. Um, and to be honest with you, I never ever valued copywriting. Okay, I, I'm a marketer. I mean, what, what you ever realize? Number one, I'm not a marketer, and number two, I don't come from the typical way that mar- most, you know, people see me as a marketing expert. Really, at the end of the day, I'm just, you know, I'm just, a, I'm just an entrepreneur. That it ends up being the fact that I've done this marketing thing online for long enough that I can tell you what to do and it works most of the time. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest things that I saw is that majority of people, and this goes back to typical, you know, of marketing, is the fact that we have different people in different awareness mindsets. Problem is, for the last 20 years of online marketing, everyone's got just gone after the people that are ready to buy today. Yeah. Right. And when you do that, you're competing with everybody else. You're only competing with like 3% of the market. And so, you know, a book that was really influential in my life and a person that was very influential in, in me, I, I, read, I read this book so many times. I used to read it at the gym uh, every day on the treadmill. Uh, and it was MJ DeMarco's The Fast Lane Millionaire. Amazing book if you haven't read it. And so I really adopted his model of the sidewalk slowing fast lane for financial success to lead generation. And essentially it says that, you know, somebody that's in the sidewalk, which is the SSF, sidewalk slowing fast lane, somebody that's in the sidewalk really doesn't have an understanding that the pain is relevant to them. Okay. And further than that, they're not ready to buy. They're not ready to follow you. They're not really, they don't give a crap about you. They don't really, they, they, they have a low attention span. What your job is in less than five minutes is to make something relevant to them because relevancy is marketing. The second part, which is in the slow lane, you've made the pain relevant to them. Now you need to show them the process or the mechanism or the methodology around being able to, you know, kind of solve that pain. How, how does this really work? So, uh, you know, now you're into the point of allowing that person to both understand that and to get to a point where they know, like, and trust you so that you are the person they're going to end up doing business with. And of course, they have more attention span and, and so on and so forth at that point. And then in the fast lane is at which point you say, hey, listen, here how, here's how you fix the problem. Here's the solution. Here's my solution. And here's the commitment. And that's where you kind of do the four step. Uh, hey, listen, you, you told me the gap or sorry, you, you told me the pain was here. You told me this is your vision. This is where you told me the gap was. Here's the commitment. And here's how I can help. And what that really looks like from a marketing funnel perspective is having some content beforehand, having a guide or a PDF or a quiz uh, that goes to a, you know, a, a, so basically the content part, the guide part is the sidewalk, <clears throat> low commitment, uh, you know, somewhat high reward. Uh, then in the slow lane, a video series or a, a, a challenge or an ebook or whatever it may be, then to a webinar, uh, then to, of course, the sale. And it could be a webinar strategy call. You know, it depends on what kind of business you have, how much, what your margins are like, all these different types of things. But what this does, it allows us to pull people, which is why I also don't believe in, in launching. I really don't like launches because anytime we're pushing somebody in marketing, we're pushing away a vast majority of our customers that would become customers. But we, when, when we push people, we're utilizing the scarcity mindset instead of the abundance mindset. And I know a lot of, you know, almost all marketers and, and writers and everything else, scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. What I love about this approach is that somebody doesn't, in, in the marketing funnel, when we implement this, and when our customers implement this, because we don't implement this for people, we help them implement it. But the beautiful thing is, somebody can be in the sidewalk for three months, six months. Somebody can be in the slow lane for two hours, two days, 20 days. 
so on and so forth. And so what it allows us to do is to be able to pull people forward instead of being able to push them through. And I think that that is the, the, the largest problem that, we've, that I've seen with online marketing. And I don't think that online marketing can continue with the amount of people that are coming, the brand, the big brands that are going to be using it, and the cost of advertising. Those three things combined together, our landscape is changing in the next 18 to 24 months more than it has in the 20, past 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that there is a model that can utilize what has been done up to this point, which is an ad to a webinar, to a sale, or to a strategy call, unless your margins are ridiculously high or you're ready to spend a ridiculous amount of money for leads, which, hey, listen, a lot of people do that. So I'm not here to say that this is the only way to be able to do it. I'm just saying that if you want to be able to way to build your audience, uh, which future proofs your business, if you want a way to be able to, to get leads for a heck of a lot cheaper, if you want to be able to nurture people more, if you want to be able to sell from a place of authority and abundance instead of scarcity, it, it, it it's a pretty damn good model. That's been, you know, we've helped over 2,000 people implement now with our different programs and, and so on and so forth. So I will say I'm definitely proud of the fact that not only was it something that I discovered, but it doesn't matter what type of business you're in, it's use, it's utilizing someone's you know behavior and, and who we are as human beings. And so it doesn't matter if it's VR or artificial intelligence or whatever system we use or whatever platform, it doesn't matter if it's Snapchat or Twitter or Facebook or whatever it may be, it's always gonna work because it goes back to who we are as human beings, not the next cool fad. Mm. Got it, so fantastic. So, so it's not about, it's not a specific way to set up a funnel. I mean, it is in an approach, but not in implementation. It could work no, I mean, across you know, any we, platform. Yeah I, mean, yeah, I mean, like, you know, we have people, it doesn't matter what type of technology you use. I mean, we got people using FusionSoft, ClickFunnels, Unbounce, lead pages. It doesn't matter what software you use. You know, all I will say, you know, it, it, it if your product is $9, then it's going to be difficult to use because a $9 product doesn't need that much intimacy to be able to sell. Right. If your product is 500000 it's probably going to also be a little bit difficult. But anywhere in between there, you're, you're in pretty good space. And then further than that, it doesn't matter, you know, I believe in being able to utilize multiple traffic sources. So if you're using Facebook advertising, I'm a huge advocate of Facebook advertising. I use it a lot. And, you know, if you're bringing people directly to a webinar and it's not working, there's probably a reason why. And the reason why is because they don't even know that you haven't even presented them with the pain. They don't even trust you yet. Right. And all these, all these other types of things. So, you know, if you're going to Facebook, you know, toss, toss a, a, some video content, retarget those people with a guide. Or, you know, if you're going on to Google search. You know, put them into the video series because they're obviously searching for something. They want to know more information about it. Right. And we are in a place where, you know, these three marketing funnels, the sidewalk, slowly and fast lane, if, if you combine them together, you can take any traffic source and you say, okay, which mindset are they in right now? So anybody that's coming off of this podcast, I mean, they're in the slow lane. They're like, okay, I want to learn more about this. I know this is a pain. I've spent the last 40 minutes listening to this guy. I know I can trust him a little bit. Because Kevin said, hey, listen, he's somebody that I brought, I'm willing to vouch for him enough to say, hey, listen, he's onto the podcast. I don't know him, but he's on the podcast. And then after this, the person's like, if if you are listening to this and you've had a problem with online lead generation or you had a problem with being able to scale up your business or with your online marketing, you're probably on Google right now doing a little bit of a search, right? Mm -hmm. And so then if you're doing a search, then I want to bring you to the slow lane, not the sidewalk. I don't need to convince you you got a pain. I, I need to bring you to the slow lane. Now, how long you stay in the slow lane is based upon how painful you believe that is and at what speed you're ready to implement, which is totally up to you, not up to me. Hmm. And so I think we're going to a place where 
it is user experience and it's a marketing experience and it's allowing the person to decide their own destiny versus us as marketers just saying, no, you're gonna go through this one path and if you don't come out the other side buying it, then see you later. You know, hopefully we'll get you in the next launch six months from now. Okay, so scarcity helps them determine their level of urgency. Uh, their own scarcity, but not applied from us. Their own scarcity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, so, is it, how do we get someone to the point of arriving in the slow lane and quickly understanding their lo- level of pain and commitment to getting it solved? So, I mean, that really comes down to them understanding their vision, right? Their pain and how how you know how painful it actually is, and how big the gap is. Mm-hmm. is and if it, the gap, sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll let you finish, and then I'll ask. And 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 so the, the the it's really dependent upon the the size of the gap that is in their life, yeah. right? The size of the gap that's in their life or their relationship or their business, right? And so, I don't personally believe in creating pain where there is no pain. Sure. I believe, again, as Jesse always talks about, I right. believe in illuminating yeah. the pain that is there, illuminating the situation, and then allowing them to make the decision that makes the most sense. Now, I'm not saying to be against, you know, um, I'm not against, you know, cutting the price for a specific, you know, thing or offering some incentive for them to buy faster or to move on faster or whatever it would be. That's not what I'm advocating. Mm-hmm. But what I am advocating is that when you pitch them, they are ready to be pitched. Because what we got now is a bunch of people online pitching people just because that is the only way they know how to do it. It's a warm body, yeah. Yeah. Lighthousing, love it. But tactic, so I know how to do this. I've also had the privilege of Jesse's coaching and life-changing. So I know how to, I know how this conversation goes and I've experienced the power of it. It's just like you say, it, it is the furthest thing from high pressure you can have. It's a oh it, yeah, one hundred percent. Literally yeah. a conversation. And and I think it's I think it's the difference between high pressure and just hey listen. And, and I close all my webinars like this, and I, and 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 we do incredibly well on the webinars we do. And and there's no high pitch. There's no I don't do any bonus stacking. I don't do any big story. I at the beginning I just get into the content, and at the end I say hey listen, you have two choices. You know where the pain's to. You know where you want to be. You know what the gap is, right? And I, I just showed you how to do that. You got you got two realities. You go figure it out yourself. In my case, you either go figure it out yourself or three choices. Go figure it yourself. You do nothing, which wouldn't happen because you wouldn't be here still. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you get a guide up the mountain. Mm-hmm. And, and there's nothing real more pressure than that. And then basically, really, you know, what this comes down to is coaching your, coaching your leads to be customers. Yeah. And the beauty with that is, you don't get refunds. You know, I've had nine refunds in all the time that I've been doing this business, right? Nine refunds. And and not because I'm a stickler on refunds. Because of the fact that people buy that are ready to buy, mm. not the people that are like, oh my God, I got to get it because the cart closed. Right, for the right reasons, yeah. All right, so I hate to keep make, bringing this tactically because I, I really enjoy the big picture stuff better. But yep. I, I want to understand when someone arrives in the slow lane, what is yep. the the physical tactical way that we help them assess and understand see right. that gap? So, so in ter- from in terms of a content or a technology, bringing them from the slow lane to the fast lane. Yeah, like is it? I would think of a quiz would be the easiest way to do that for somebody. Quiz, but 
quiz is easy. I mean, there's a lot of different tactics that's here. I mean, you know, you can go advance and do lead scoring like an Infusionsoft or Active Campaign. Mm-hmm. You can basically say, hey, listen, if if person consumes content A mm-hmm. or content A and B, then we bring them to the slow lane. If somebody consumes more than 25% of the video, we bring them from the sidewalk to the slow lane. There's lots of ways to be able to do it. I, I typically teach the simplest way, which is essentially utilizing email marketing and retargeting to basically say, hey, listen, that person consumed that next piece of content. Because mm-hmm. remember, in the sidewalk, it's like two or three pages in a guide that talks about, hey, here's what the pro- here, here, here's, here's this, how this is relevant in your life. In the slow lane, it might be 15 pages of, hey, here's how to actually solve this. Here's the methodology. Here's whatever it may be. If the person in the sidewalk read the two or three page guide and then looked at the next piece and was like, you know what? That's not relevant to me. Well, at the end of the day, they're not going to go and put their email address in again to go into the slow lane. Right. They're not going to they're not going to engage with that content because this all goes back to. And, and this is the the, the, the the name of my book, which is relevant. If something is not relevant. Somebody doesn't engage, mm-hmm. right? And so if somebody doesn't engage, well, you know what? We know where their mindset is to. That's great. Right? Yeah, totally. And so, so, so it's, that's a simple way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, this is great because I, I get it. And, you know, Ross has told me about this enough to where I, I'm hoping light bulbs are going off because this is exciting stuff. It's about automating a process where people can self-discover their urgency around a problem that they know they have. And imagine that the only way to do this otherwise really would be to have a live conversation with somebody, which is, you know, very difficult to scale. And if you want it done right to keep the ethics and the quality in place. All right, Scott, I'll I'll stop it there. But we haven't even gotten to the essential question yet. So good. I appreciate all your time because this is really solid gold, man. So let me just hit you with the essential question here and we'll wrap Scott Olford. What is the one thing you've done in your marketing that produced the most surprising results? I had a couple of things that I thought of during this conversation about this. I think the biggest one that had the most surprising result and the biggest life-changing result was we did two launches last year. One did nine times better than we thought it was going to do. And the second one did about one-sixth as good as we thought we were going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I, I really wish it was the other way around when I look back at it. But here's what here, – here's, it was surprising because we did all the things right that we thought we did. You know, we, we, did, we did everything we possibly could. And the result of that was us as a company and me as an individual realizing that launching – it's not a business, it's a hustle. And it got me in October of last year to be like, you know what? We're never doing that again. If we can't build a business based upon pulling people towards us, being relevant at the right time and at the right place, and being able to increase intimacy in a one-to-many way, then we don't have a business and we shouldn't be teaching this shit. Hmm. That was the, you know, that was the biggest at least in recent history that I can say was, was instrumental for what my business looks like today and into the future. And when we implemented it, here's the most amazing thing. We generated more revenue in January with no launching, with no launches whatsoever 
than we did in October with having 50 partners. Mm. And that is in this, in this, in, and, and I got a lot of friends that do a lot of launches and we have a lot of mutual friends, I would say that do a lot of launches, mm-hmm. right? And, and I'll, I'll, and you know, it's a typical internet marketing thing to do. And I would say, if you do not have an evergreen model in your business, you don't have a business, you have a hustle. And if your mother or your significant other got sick or you wanted to take a 90 day vacation or you wanted to do anything, what you will soon realize is what you have is an entrepreneurial hustle and not a business that allows you to live a life outside of it. And it made me realize it and it made me take immediate action and investment of my time and resources to fix that because I never, ever, 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 ever want to have the repeat of what happened last year. And if my business isn't at least at some level predictable, again, I don't have a, I don't have a business. I have a hustle. So that would be mine. I don't know. I don't know if that's legit or not, but, and a lot of people hate me, you know, a lot, a lot of my friends kind of like, you know, try to debate on the whole launch thing, which is all totally cool and all. But for me, I like, I like sustain. I like, I like, I like a normal, I like normalization. I don't like the. I don't like creating high highs and low lows. There's enough of that in entrepreneurship as it is. Love it. Well said. Certainly, there are ways to, to, to have some of both. But oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know, totally. certainly the, the launch disease has has run rampant. You know, and people mistaking that for a business model and, and really crashing hard. We've all seen it with good people who just wake up one day and go, oh, this has all been false. I mean, I just interviewed Frank Kern, and that was his turning moment in his life when he finally went, I don't have anything here. All I have is launches and some buddies who are willing to promote my stuff, and we keep expanding our little network, and suddenly now I can only launch once every year and a half. And, you know, and so it's not a sustainable model, really. It's incestuous. Ultimately, everybody has everybody's leads, and it's just, yeah, like you said, man, uh, I think any business owner would agree, ultimately, you have to be self-sustaining, and if you can convert cold traffic, then you really do have the keys to the kingdom until, you know, an algorithm decides to change or something. But, well, yeah, I mean, we, we could go down yeah, the it's a whole, a whole other story. I know. Yeah, there's, there's always yeah. caveats, but. Yeah, I mean, let, if we if we go down, you know, we, we can do an entire another hour segment <laughs> on artificial intelligence because, you know, I'm pretty bullish on that, too. And that's going to that's going to make a lot of lives very interesting in the next little while uh, especially when it comes to marketing but anyways uh we, we'll leave that for another day scott i can't believe you're 25 except for the fact that you take lsd uh <laughs> it's the only way you could be this wise at this age <laughs> i've really really enjoyed this conversation and i hope we could do it again likewise brother it was awesome being here man scottoldford.com get on this man's list learn from him I know I will be and we'll see you on the next episode hey thanks again for listening to the truth about marketing podcast if you like this show and you think other people would like this show the best way to spread the word is by reviewing and rating the show in iTunes just log in click review Leave a big old fat five-star review and let everybody know that you dig the show so that they can dig it too. To get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, please go to copychief.com forward slash TAM, as in truth about marketing. 
And if you'd like to uh, learn more about how you can improve your sales copy with uh, templates, formulas, coaching, feedback, or hiring a pro, do all that on the inside of the members area of copychief.com. And I will look for you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.